Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Joining me today, we have we have Terry, who who is here here often, uh, but we have uh, a new friend. All right, he is the uh, editor in chief. He pretty much runs Reed Everton. Uh, Elliot Cuff is with us. Elliot, thanks again for for being here, man. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so. Um, uh, actually, I, I said I was. I told the guys off camera I was going to start with the story, but I'd rather talk to Elliot first. Uh, yeah, the mood struck me. Uh, so, Elliot, uh, you, we'll get to your Everton thoughts in a minute. We know you 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 put a lot of Everton content out there, among other clubs. Uh, but uh, as far as you, you also are a, are a big film guy, so yeah. we're gonna start. Let's tell us some of the films you're into lately. The ones where you're. You're talking to friends and you're saying, oh gosh, I saw this, you need to see this. So, uh, I've got to ad- admit that as someone who sort of claims to be such a big movie fan, there are so many holes in what I've seen and what I haven't seen. So, most of this year has just been catching up on every little bit I've missed. Uh, and one film I saw really recently on Netflix is Okja, South Korean <sighs> movie. I saw uh, it. I, I, what do you think of that? Because I thought it was... It was really, really good. I really liked sort of the subtext behind it, the actual direction from Lee Bong Ho, um, the the acting in it. I thought it was fantastic, and I, I've been going through a lot of uh, movies at the moment uh, that are of lesser quality, shall we say. I've got a bit of a, uh, I'm a big fan of bad movies as well as I am of good movies. So that that was a nice sort of way to break it up uh, in the last couple of weeks. For the people listening to the podcast, I'm pumping my fist right now because that's good. I love the. <laughs> I love the crap. I love the bad films. You know what I mean? The ones that have become oh, yeah. art through mediocrity. Uh, you know, like the how as much as Tommy Wiseau wanted the room to be Citizen Kane, it is. It is, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. <laughs> I, saw, uh, I saw Anaconda a few weeks ago, uh, and I, I loved it. I loved it. It's, it's amazing. Sometimes those are the kind of movies you need to watch. You know, and the, it just, the producer of that film was recently <laughs> the uh, the dean of the film school here, <laughs> and, and, and actually she just left. So yeah, she was really it was really great when you got her talking <laughs> about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I bet <laughs> you. I knew you were going to mention the room as soon as he said bad films. Exactly, <laughs> it's you can't even mention in, uh, the room is banned in my house because. Um, my wife's named Lisa, so whenever she does anything that annoys me, it's going, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, all the time, and it pisses her off, because she's not, not even like watched any even a clip of that, and she hates it. She just goes, what voice is that for your <laughs> I don't know. It's the most unique voice ever, yeah. I can imagine yeah. how that great. Especially, it doesn't help the fact that the director, you know, Tommy Wiseau, refuses to tell people where he's from. He just says I'm American. Well, <laughs> yeah, he won't say it. It is it is such I mean there's a reason why people have made movies about the making of that movie. Oh, it's oh my god. It's it's beautiful in how terrible it is. It really it is. is. I mean, whenever for people listening who haven't heard of this film, we're talking about a film director who wrote it, produced it, starred in it, okay? And and he directed it, and he he put. They didn't. He didn't know whether or not he wanted to film it in thirty-five millimeter or in digital. So because he didn't know the difference between the two, so they filmed in both. Okay, thirty-five millimeter and digital. They taped the two cameras together. Okay, framed it for thirty-five millimeter. All right, wasted all that money on the film, and then he liked the digital footage better. So they used the HD and all that film that they used is wasted. Just an insane, beautifully horrible situation. Oh my god! It's and and I've I've made people's like girlfriends and wives hate me because I put it on while they're at the at our house <laughs> and I played it for them. And I, Jerry, I cannot believe I still know who Tommy Wiseau is. What is wrong with you? You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is, it is the perfect bad movie out of all of them. It it tops them, doesn't it? It is the perfect. How did anyone ever make that? 
than think it was going to be anything other than atrocious. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll put my iPod on shuffle and some of the music from the room will come on. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst. And I, uh, yeah. So anyway, so we've gone through that. Hey. Um, so, so we know you like the good stuff. We know you like the bad stuff. That's good. And by the way, I feel like almost everybody's got holes in their knowledge. You know, you mentioned that earlier. I'm like, you Ooh. know how many times I've been to the theater this year, man? Like twice. Like twice. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's like I have yeah, to I'd... really mean it when I go to the theater. I'm the same. I mean, you know, you can't, I, I can't afford to go every single week as much as I'd love to. So you have to pick and choose, don't you, the, the big events. You know, the Marvel movies, for example. Yep. Uh, big events, you can't miss it, so you go to those. But the smaller films, I think, oh, I'd love to watch that, but I'm going to I'm gonna have to wait for it to come out elsewhere. Yeah. Actually, I, mis- I, mis- I misspoke. I did three. I did Endgame. I did Spider-Verse. Was Spider-Verse this year still, technically? Uh, Far From Home was this year. Spider-Verse was the back end of last year, I think. Oh, so so maybe I didn't do it. Maybe it was just Endgame and Midsummer were the ones that I watched. You know, total opposite in audience as far as who's watching it with yeah, you, yeah. I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, well, Elliot, we're going to have to keep this going talk about that some more soon. I have one quick story to tell everybody before we get to Everton Things because I felt like we need some, some, some you know, happy feelings. Because uh, yesterday... <laughs> Uh, so uh, about a week ago, I was at. Uh, we don't have we don't have Everton here, so so I we have to go to college soccer games, right? We don't have Premier League football. We've got college soccer. So I went to a game. One of my buddies, who's like in charge of the like the supporters section, is a huge red, big time Liverpool supporter, and I saw we saw him after the game. And my boys, it was late in the evening. It was like past their bedtime, like nine thirty. They're running all over the place. They're nuts. They're seven and four years old, and I saw the red supporter and I was talking to him about the game and everything. Well, he's got another buddy, another really nice guy, and he walks by and he says, "Oh, by the way, look what he made me." And he held up a shirt, right? And it's a Liverpool shirt. It's a quote by Jamie by, by Carragher. Okay. Whatever. I saw it. I tried not to make too much of a deal about it, but you know, because I was like, Arr. but I'm trying to be nice to the guys because they're nice guys. All right. The guy is so this is really nice shirt. He's super proud of it. Super excited. I'm like, I'm like, Bennett, come check this out. You know, my seven year old comes up, looks at his shirt for two seconds and just goes, bam, and takes his hand and slams the shirt <laughs> on the ground and runs away. And I'm, I'm sitting there with my hands on my head, like horrified, but secretly gleeful. Because, uh, <laughs> and I was just like, you better apologize to him. I mean, because the guy's is such a nice guy, he's so disrespectful. And he would, oh, I, I can't imagine why he did that. But then I'm like, I know exactly why he did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's, that's the brainwashing that's happening in our household, apparently. Uh, all sorts of antisocial aberrant behavior coming because of our love for a certain blue team uh yeah so uh that's that's my life Uh, all right let's get back to actual the normal everton things that don't involve tossing red shirts on the ground uh for the podcast listeners out there this is what's gonna go down today we have to talk about uh the the bournemouth debacle uh what happened there let's do a little post-mortem uh yeah so we're gonna talk about talk to these guys about about uh, what the deal is with that. Then we're gonna have a little middle bit. It has been a uh, we we put a question out there to the social media universe. Said uh, what's a good thing for us to talk to? What's a question we could uh, what a question we could answer? Somebody gave us a, a juicy one. So we'll get there to that. I'm not gonna spoil it because I want genuine reaction. And then uh, we'll talk about our form away from home. Because what the hell? You know what I mean? What is going on? It's very strange to see how up we are for when we play at Goodison and how uh, how down we seem to be when we're not. So we're going to talk about that. Then we'll finish up with a quiz. It's a pin shootout quiz, but it's a little different than our other pin shootout quizzes. So we'll talk about that. So, Bournemouth. Uh, spoiler alert, if you recorded the game and are planning on watching it today, I'm giving you fair notice Okay, we lost. <laughs> it was three to one, 
All right. Uh, despite going in uh, on a good momentum shift at, at the half, felt pretty good about going into the second half. Got to be honest. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin grabs a, grabs a header, uh, despite people like Terry saying, oh, gosh, ignore what I said about DCL. Oh, <laughs> and then he's got to take it back two seconds later. I give him flack. Dude, everybody was saying that on social media. So, you know, Terry's just, he just speaks for the masses, I feel. Uh, so, so, yeah, so that happened. I was feeling great. And then, well, as they say, shit happens. Uh, so, Elliot, uh, if you want to give us some initial thoughts, I'll get into specifics in a little while. But uh, you want to talk about, where, go wherever you want to go, is what I'm saying. Carte blanche. Uh, well, I mean, as you said, it's a bit of a post-mortem, isn't it? Because I think at this point in the season, if you look at the first four games, seven points from four games, beating teams like Watford and Wolves, who have been tipped to be top-half finishers, if not challenging for the European places, you play Bournemouth. And really, there's no way you come into that game not expecting three points. And to come away with not three, not even one, but zero, after being atrocious again, it's really disappointing because... Obviously, against Aston Villa, we did the same thing. We, we, we turned up, probably expected it to be too easy, um, didn't sort of approach the game in the right way, and then you come away looking like idiots. And For me, the one positive is that Calvert-Lewin's opened his account for the season because he's come under a lot of flack online, and it's something that he really needs to do for his own personal game and also for Everton, of course. But I think it's good that he was able to break his, his duck, but... Other than that, I don't know what positives you can glean from that because now you go into Sheffield United this week and it's it's another team you're expecting to beat. They're a newly promoted side. They don't have an awful, awful lot of Premier League experience. But after losing to Villa and to um, Bournemouth, do, do you really feel confident going into that game? Because at the moment, I can't see any consistency. And if, and if you know, pundits keep tipping Everton, will we get top four? Will we get top six? At this rate, there's no way because you can't win half your games and lose to those sides. You have to be able to grind out results like that. And if we can't do that, if we can't find that extra gear to go to to ensure we get the result, then I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know where we go from there. I don't know how to find anything to disagree with that statement. (laughs) Pretty much all that, I'm like, yeah, thumbs up, man. I'm good. (laughs) I mean, really, I, I, I can't imagine... You know, you told me before this, I mean, Terry and I were, were feeling like, despite the fact that it was away, we're going to get a win. Felt all right. Um, yeah. Terry, uh, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, I feel like there's there's some talking points to that we should really make sure we're getting to. We'll get there. Um, do you want to, do you have anything particular you want to start off with, or you want me to give you something very specific? Is it too scattershot to say, go with your go with your gut on this or is it is it like well there's too many targets <laughs> um, well yeah I'll, I'll just roll um I, I for me looking at the the game as a whole I, we may as well have just kicked the the three goals we conceded in our own net because the first one is a horrendous you know marking from a corner once again second phase of a set piece. They, they're all up for the first phase. They lose the header and then they all go to sleep. Uh, second one, you know, there's two things to be upset about. You know, Richarlison's been very naive and he's given away a free kick in a dangerous area, very cheaply. You know, Schneidlin had the uh, had the run covered. He doesn't need to, you know, lunge. He's, ne- he's never getting that ball, Richarlison. And obviously the third one, Yerry Mina has gone for a bit of a walk and decided to stay where he was and just give uh, Callum Wilson an easy... I don't want to say an easy goal. It was a good finish, but like an easy opportunity. So just a a defensive disaster class. Absolutely awful from the team as a whole. So it's, again, it's... We're our own worst enemy. We can't get out of our own way when we're playing some of these teams, especially... No away from home. I don't want to go too much into the away form yet because we're going to touch on that in a bit. But it just seems like we we, we have to beat ourselves. We start with the, uh, a goal down in these away matches. Yeah, it, just silly goal after silly goal after silly goal. It was really difficult to watch. It was really difficult to watch. Just uh, the the final one with Mina being being sucked too far to the opposite side that he's playing, too far up, too far wide. 
and I know he's he's he, he's wanting to do what he he's really wanting to do the right thing. He's really wanting to have an impact. But if if you're almost too emotional in that moment, you start losing your discipline. And I feel like that's something that happened for him right there. Um, I, I yeah, defensive. I don't know that it's miscommunications. It's it's mental lapses. Um, and we looked. We did not look aggressive on set pieces. I felt like they got first touch on most set pieces. You know that's a that's an issue. And I feel like I know they went big. They did go out. They did come out pretty tall. You know they went with some players that were taller um, to be able to be a little bit more physical on set set pieces. I believe. Um, and they came out pressing. They came out pressing. I didn't. I don't know that I thought they were going to come out like straight up pressing. You know, they pressed every opportunity they had first half in the beginning of the second half. Um, I Yeah, and I think they I, – I, I felt like we reacted like we didn't think it was going to happen. We gave away the ball way too cheaply coming out of the back, like a lot. Um, it, it just – I mean, it, for me, it was a, it's a mentality. Now we'll get there. We're going to talk more about a waveform later. So I don't really want to make this strictly about mentality. But uh, a big part of this was defensive mental lapses as a group, as a whole. It's not even one dude this time. It's a group. So, uh, so anyway, we've gotten, gotten past that. All right? I think the things that made people's eye, eyebrows raised at the very beginning, Elliot, um, DCL was in for Keane, and Schneiderlin was in for Gomes. Gomes. Andre Gomez. All right? It's like, I'm just going to say it every way you can pronounce it. Um, so... Uh, but I don't know if you, if you want to talk about DCL getting the nod instead, Schneiderlin. I think those are the two things where people were like, I don't know about that. But honestly, I I don't think those were the big problems for us today, you know? Yeah, you're right. I don't think they ended up being the, the main problems. But I was speaking on the radio earlier in the week about Moise Keane. And you look at him as a 19-year-old, extremely talented young player. He's going to be a big star in the future. But he needs an adjustment period in the Premier League. And at the moment, Everton don't have the patience. They don't have the affordability to let him do that. So if he doesn't perform, if he doesn't start scoring, then naturally it made sense to me that Silver would bring Calvert-Lewin back into the lineup because he can rely on him in the sense that he has prior experience of scoring. Even if he isn't the most uh, promising uh, outlet for Everton to score with at the moment because he looks so, so, so poor. I think the problem with Calvert-Lewin is... He, too often he wants to walk the ball into the net. He doesn't just take the first opportunity. He could take a touch inside and hit the ball. You're not going to score every one. Of course you're not, from 18 yards, 20 yards. But if you keep trying, you'll eventually get on the score sheet. If you take too long, you get uh, you, you get you know possession taken off you all the time. And it's a shame. But I think the, the main problem when you touched on it was Andre Gomez not playing. We know it was a, a rib injury that kept him out. So we had Schneiderlin and Delph in there. But that is a very, very defensive formation and even though you are playing away so you don't want to be too offensive against a team like Bournemouth who Everton have struggled against in the past uh, we know they like to attack forward we, we know they like to move forward quickly they've got a lot of young talented players we need to make sure that whenever we're moving forward we have the most creative approach and I think if you don't have someone like Gomez who's a bit more silkier in midfield who can um, link up play a lot better than some of the other midfielders you're then asking too much of Kilfrey Sigurdsson and at that point Schneider and Delph, it's just far too defensive, especially, you know, against a team like Bournemouth who you want to really be going for, you want to be attacking head on. Um, so, yeah, they weren't, specifically Schneiderlin and Calvert-Lewin weren't the main problems. They didn't cause the issues. But I think from a, a tactical arrangement perspective from the very beginning, you're, you're on the wrong foot. And then you have to make up what you've lost with those players. Um and then, you know, as soon as Bournemouth come out on the front foot and start attacking, then you're already struggling. But as you mentioned with Yerry Mina at the back, you know, um, not just one player, but the entire defensive unit was poor. And, and that what, that's what let us down. And I don't know how you try and make sure that that is more compact and that they're more consistent at the back, because we need that. You need that consistency at the back. Otherwise, we're not going to get where we want to be. And that, you know, it'd be a real shame if if silly defensive errors every single week are what cost us a European place or something even better than that, you know, if other teams around us are not performing as well. We did it a lot last year, didn't we? Certainly did. Certainly did, yeah. Um, I mean, set pieces was something we conceded a lot from last year. And, um, it's, it's you know, we, we can't have that. We can't have that happen all the time because 
eventually you need to grow. If you're going to develop as a club, you need to identify what the problems are, how do we fix them, and then you make those moves. And it seems that in certain areas, we, we're not doing that. We obviously, you know, the amount of media for all that was around Kurt Zuma's replacement not being brought in, we didn't find that centre-back to come in and partner Michael Keane. And we've been lucky that Yeramine has been fairly decent so far, just like the season, but that's an issue we knew we had and we didn't fix it. And if you don't fix problems, how do you expect to grow? Um, and that that's my biggest problem. I think that, yes, we signed Moise Keane. We signed a striker who is potential, but he could go on to fill that Lukaku role. Um, but that is not enough to cover up all the other cracks in the squad. And I think with poor performances like the one against Bournemouth, it shows that there's still so much work to be done to get Everton to a point where they can actually challenge for anything. Uh, so, I mean... Uh... I was thinking, you know, when you watch Schneiderlin play, uh, he didn't have a poor game. I guess it's just considering what he does as a player compared to what Gomez does. Gomez is is sort of yeah. like a transitional player. He's really good at taking it from, you know, we've just gained possession, starting an attack. He may not be the one creating the chances in the box, which he rarely is. He's almost never that guy, you know. But he's really good at getting it to the people that are. Um, and he's usually pretty good at not at, at maintaining the ball. Schneiderlin, uh, frankly, his passing was all right yesterday. You know, it wasn't entirely backwards. He made a decent amount of forward passes. I specifically was watching for it. Uh, and he didn't give the ball away. I thought he had some silly fouls, some really silly fouls in a few areas that just didn't need to happen. At one time, he dispossessed a player, and then afterward – went back in and hacked the leg. The ball was gone. Just went back in. It just gave him a stupid, stupid mm. kick, you know, from no, for no reason at all. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. And I think DCL, I almost, do you think, is it possible that uh, for a lot of people that thought Keane should have started, uh, and I may want to give this to Terry, uh, is it possible, because it seemed like Silva brought him in because, well, he actually said, because of the way of certain qualities that he has against Bournemouth, a team that has other qualities. So was he thinking aerial ability? Is that what he's thinking? Is he thinking pressing and speed, uh, Terry? Is, or is it the fact that he's just straight up overthinking it and should have played Moise Keane just because he seems to be, he appears to be more clinical, or but we don't know yet. I mean, I, th- I think the only reason is probably the uh, the aerial the aerial capability. Like he, you know, um, Bournemouth have got smaller centre backs and um, Calvert Lewin's, you know, decent in the air, and you know it, it worked sort of. Um, you know, we we got a, a, a headed goal from Calvert Lewin from across, but we didn't cross to him enough. We 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 spend every game whipping fifty crosses in and getting nowhere. The one game where it might have been far more appropriate, it didn't seem to, didn't seem to happen. I mean, I, you know, you want to you want to cause, you want to cause yourself grief on Twitter than defend Carl. <laughs> I mean, he's he, um, been assigned as the as the boo boy at the minute, which you know, I could, I've, I, some people are being overly negative. But a lot of people, you know, just saying what they what they think, you know, they don't think he's good enough, and you know, there's there's something to be said for that as well. But I think the main problem is you can't have him and Sigurdsson together. They get in each other's way. They don't seem to understand what the other one wants the other one to do. So Calvert Lewin doesn't know where to go for Sigurdsson, and Sigurdsson doesn't know where to put it for Calvert Lewin. So I just think it's a the bad combination and. It's, we we've, basically you're gonna have to pick one or the other for me, and it's gonna be Sigurdsson, isn't it? Let's be honest, because he seems to be the main, you know, creator in the team. You know, he, people are caught crying out for him to, you know, drop to the bench, put a Wobie behind the striker. I think it's far more likely that Sigurdsson stays and um, they change about with the striker, depending on who that is. I mean, I, I want to see more of Moyes Keane, but I certainly don't think. You know, Moise Keane on the pitch from the start, we still concede those three goals. And for me, anyway, maybe we, we, you know, we change the game if we score from, you know, different chances that he creates. You know, it's a, it's a big what if, but I don't know. I think, I think at the minute, you know, because there's been so much player recycling in the summer that we're, we're, we're still, you know, we're in, we don't want to be, we don't believe we should be, and but we are still in the, 
and um, Pat Paints, they used the word transitional sort of phase where we're sort of figuring out the team, the chemistry, the formula, who works well with who, who doesn't work well because, you know, we've, we've, we've put, we've, so far this season, you know, we've used Gomez in a couple of games, we've used Schneider in a couple of games, um, <coughs> excuse me, we've, uh, I started with Bernard, he played well, come out for a Wobie, now a Wobie's in, uh, Keane started, looked good against uh, Wolves, then he came straight back out because Calvert-Lewin comes in because it's Bournemouth. I think we're still figuring things out and um, hope we figure it out quickly because we've wasted a massive opportunity with these early fixtures. Not, uh, I never go into away games expecting to win, um, but you looked at these fixtures and just thought there is a perfect opportunity to correct the away form. You've got early games against Palace who are in disarray, uh, Bournemouth, um, Aston Villa who've just come up. It's it's such it's such a waste, and and you just feel like it's it's of our own making because of the goal the type of goals we're conceding that they are from individual errors or you know poor performances as a whole as a team. The only suppose saving grace for the goals we conceded at the weekend is they're three very coachable goals. It's it's you know pick up your man better on the corner. Um, you know, be better in the second phase. Um, you know, Delf go with your other foot on that free kick, and you just clear it first time, send it into the stand. Yeri, don't get caught ball watching. These these goals we were conceding every game in the middle thirds of last season, and we were decrying it for a long time. And then we had that long break, and they seemed to disappear. We seem to have sorted the defensive lapses out, but they've crept back in. No, I'm not. Don't think. Well, I hope they haven't crept back in full-time. I'm not suggesting that, oh, suddenly we can't defend anymore because we started off the season really strong defensively, but it doesn't it doesn't mean you can't, you know, slip back into bad habits. And I just hope that Silva gets them on the training pitch this week and says, listen, we're going to drill set pieces because you've literally shipped two easy goals in one game and then let a third in from from open play. Uh, you look at the changes that uh, Silva made in the second half. Uh, anything you felt like was a was 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 a positive? What you're thinking? You were sitting there nodding your head, thinking, "Yes, that's the one we needed." Or were you thinking, "Honestly, this is just one of those games where I, I don't really think any of these changes are going to matter." Well, I mean, Maurice Keane and Bernard come on at the same time, um, and that I mean, you have to see that as positive because it's two attacking options. Um, I personally think it's really harsh on Bernard to have lost his place. It makes sense that Alex Iwobi comes in, replaces him, but I'm not the biggest fan of Sigurdsson, uh, and I would have been absolutely fine to see Bernard and Iwobi occupy those roles, with a one, you know, whichever one plays left, whichever one plays behind the striker. Um, so I think that that's positive. Walcott, on the other hand, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I had a I, feeling I mean, you were going to go on this. <laughs> I've, I vocalised it a lot on Twitter. I, I have lost all patience for Theo Walker. I, I don't. He doesn't do anything. He adds nothing to the game. So when he comes on, it, it was wasted for me. Uh, but yeah, when, when Keane and Bernard come on, you, you're thinking, right, well, clearly Silver isn't happy with how it's going. Clearly he wants to really get straight back into them. Come on, let's rally around. Get, get the troops together. Let's rally together. And let's really hit them where it hurts. Um, but, uh, but as soon as the third goal, I think the third goal... Was, was scored moments after Bernard and, uh, and King come on. And at that point, um, you're thinking, I don't think we have what it takes to get back. And it, it's a shame, really, because most sides would look at that and go, two goals down, it's Bournemouth. we got 20 minutes here, we can, we can do this. But Everton sort of beat you into submission to the point where you, you start to think, can we get back to this? don't think so. Not, not the way we're playing at the moment, anyway. Um, and that, that's, that definitely has to change, because, I mean... I wasn't in the game, but for for people from Liverpool who travel all the way down to Bournemouth, the the least you want is to see them actually try to really take it to the final whistle. And I think you know certain players performed well in the first half and dropped off in the second. And that's not what you want. You want people to be picking up that extra wind in the second half to really be taking it to the full time whistle to the best of their ability throughout the full ninety minutes. And I don't think we saw that, um, which is you know disappointing. Yeah, there were stretches where we clearly seemed like we were going to actually start putting some in you know we actually had some uh, like long stretches and then it was just a dumb move here and we're down 
you know, it was really frustrating. I mean, our the commentators we had on our feed, uh, one of them was awful, by the way, on the NBC Sports feed. Oh, my God. It just did nothing. I mean, my wife looked over at me. My wife, who was halfway watching the game, she looked over and was like, this guy hates Everton, doesn't he? <laughs> my wife said that, okay? And I'm like, well, honestly, it's a pretty common thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was say something. We get a lot of uh, commentators over here as well. But uh, yeah, so it's it was it was a pretty frustrating uh, viewing. And you know what? When I was when it was over, I was seething, and my house got spotless because I cleaned the hell out of it. <laughs> I used the energy for good. Everton powered the cleaning machine. So yeah, yeah, we're it's one good thing a loss is, it yeah. does for us. <laughs> The silver lining. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on this, guys? I'm really ready to put this in our rear view. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm done with this. With with talking about Bournemouth, it was it was bad. Yeah, the the Bournemouth hangover. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Yeah, still tastes a little like vomit. Just saying. All right, so that's uh, that's all for our extra time. The post mortem on that that crap from Sunday. All right, so it's time for the middle bit. Uh, this question comes from Tom Elder 9 who dwelleth on Instagram. Uh, Tom asks, if you're ready for this, guys, pretty greatly timed, realistically, when do you think we'll be back in the top four. Ugh. It's something like that. All right. So, uh, from Elliot's disgusted groan, I'm going to start with Terry on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, uh, yeah. How many, how many years? This year? Next year? Year after? Three years? Decade? Baker's dozen years? Um, within the next two years, or it doesn't happen at all. Wow. Because Chelsea and Man United are at their lowest ebb, you know, big picture-wise, that obviously they've had, you know, positive results the weekend, but, you know, off the pitch, Chelsea, you know, had issues. Is Abramovich going to leave? So on, they've got a transfer ban. You know, this managerial, like, merry-go-round they've got going is sort of catching up on them. Man United, we you know well documents the problems there. You know the they've been, made mistakes at manager level. Their recruitment's been awful. All all these things which have weakened these established Champions League clubs, they won't last forever. There's too much money flowing through those clubs for it to stay. You know we need to do what Spurs got in and muscled their way in. And have, and have stayed in. Whereas we, if we're going to do that, we can't let you know those two other clubs get their wind back. Because if they do, we can't catch them. They're driving cars in a race that are faster than ours by a long way. They've stopped at the side of the road, both of them. We need to make up that ground while they have. Although, because if they get the, if they get going again, we'll never catch them. So I'm going to say in the next two years, or it won't happen for another 15, 20. This has been a moment with the metaphor master. Look at that. I like that. It's like a like a car. It's like a car race, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Elliot, are you are you ready for an answer or do you wanna you wanna um, give him one more? <laughs> yeah. Uh I think it's hard not to look at Leicester and and see that they were never going to get top four, never going to get top six, and then out of absolute nowhere, won the title. So I think they're a problem because you'd always look at teams like that, as seasons like that, and think, well, you know, we could do that. But in terms of longevity and, and establishing yourself in that position, I agree with Terry that I think if we don't get it in the next couple of years, then all these teams will just power past us. Liverpool, uh, Man City... Arsenal, they're all spending so much money. And yes, Everton are rich now, but can't compete on the same level as, as, as these clubs. And while Chelsea and Man United are, are down, they're certainly not out. Um, and if they come back, 
strong and we haven't made up that ground as terry said you know i I can't see it happening anytime soon um this season was a big season especially with chelsea's transfer ban next season will also be big um and as it stands i just can't i can't see it happening so i don't want to be too pessimistic but i'm I'm not optimistic if you know what i mean i'm not i'm not feeling like it's going to happen anytime soon but uh i mean for me for me the main thing is trophies Silverware. I want. I want a trophy. I've. I have never. I haven't been alive, and seen ever someone a trophy since I've been alive. We've never won anything, so that's my sort of the thing I'm clinging on to because I just can't can't see top four. All right. So uh, I'm just going to take the mystery out of this. It'll be two years. I talked to Farhad. Two years. <laughs> All right. Right now we're too thin. We're not deep enough. We're having injury issues and we can't really cover them. Two years. We'll have we'll have the people in we want. Uh, yeah, maybe some other people, some other teams are gonna will have recovered by then. Yeah, it'll be two years. Farhad's making it happen. I take it. I take. It. Yeah. yeah. Then again, I, I we're making our assumptions. I assume all of us on the way things are now. If we get the stadium in three maybe four years, who knows where we'll be. It could be, oh, well, you know, Man United and Chelsea have got their act together. Or maybe they don't. And, you know, we've got a stadium and, you know, it allows us to be a little bit more, you know, free, you know, money-wise. Not saying that we're not spending now, we are. But then with the new stadium, we can suddenly start going out and getting top, top players and, you know, sort of boosting ourselves uh, you know because at the, at the minute we're, we're spending a lot of money but we're sort of maintaining a level because everyone else around us is also spending decent money and you know recruiting better than we did a few months a few years ago so they haven't got mistakes to correct like we have who knows the stadium might have a massive say and change you know you, you know everyone's opinion on that we could turn around in three years and go okay it's now in the next three years after this because the you know the the landscape's changed so much. I mean, let's hope so. But as things are now, I think this is the best chance we've had in a long time. This you're right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're you're right. That's something I hadn't thought about with the uh, with the stadium. You know, you look in the last couple of years, the last five years, when we first come into money under Farhad, we were looking at people like One Matter and Axel Witzel, if you believe what the papers were were saying, and those are the kind of players that we couldn't land because we had the money, but we didn't have the clout. We didn't have the stature to bring them in even though you know people look at the history books and go what a big club Everton are we didn't have the ability to bring them in now so you're right in saying that if we if we move into a brand new much bigger stadium you know people can look at us and start to think well there's a really big project going on at Everton and yeah we might not be in Europe uh, this year or maybe not even next year but I'm gonna buy into that now I'm gonna I'm gonna jump aboard now and hopefully, you know, in a couple of years' time, we'll be in that position. So it's a really good point. And hopefully, because, you know, it's a bit more pos- positive and something to look forward to in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think, honestly, people see that project. The players who are, who've already come here see that project already. I really do think that. And and additionally, uh, Marcel Bronze. Just saying. That guy's... That's help. He is... Uh, he's, he's additional... Yes, praise him. Marcel... Got you can do candles. We're good now. All right. You don't... <laughs> so yeah, uh, he's doing a good job selling the club, selling the vision, selling the. And he's not. He's not. I don't even think he's like selling a dream. He's selling a look. Hey, this is the process. Check this out. You know, this yeah, is how it will with, work. It's with the confidence that he's basically saying, "Look, this is going to happen." Yeah. Get on board now. You know, I'm not. Not well. Maybe I don't know. Like you can imagine, Steve Walsh might have done. It does very much feel like he's saying, look, we are going to be there. Come on board now, and you'll be thanking us in a couple of years' time. Steve Walsh, the Steve Walsh plan is, let me get me a briefcase, and I'm going to go to Italy. <laughs> Make sure I'm the cameras just, are I'm on me. Around. I'm going to walk around to every club and just ask them if they've got anything going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't say all, though, because you know, we all lived through that. So, <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, yeah. So essentially, uh, you know, Terry says two years or never, (laughs) right? Uh, Elliot said, uh, what, in a couple years, I think? A couple years? Yeah. Yeah. And I said two because Farhad said. Farhad said. 
All right, so no more middle bit. We're going to move on, talk about form away from home. Yikes. Uh, we we got to talk about Everton's uh, form away from home because it's pretty damn dire. That's That was pretty much the word that I used to describe whenever whenever anyone was asking me about the game yesterday. Oh, how'd y'all do? Just dire. Just so dire. Uh, and it's been like that. I mean, it's been, a, it's been kind of a thing, all right, where we've been dropping uh, our performances are just significantly different away from home than it is at Goodison. Um, so here's something. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think it's a little stupid, but only because I want to get the conversation going. And this is such a weird topic to talk about, all right? So I'm going to start with Terry. Because even though technically he did start the middle bit on the podcast, he did not start this video. So, yeah. Um, Is our home support, home form, so strong that it masks kind of our true shittiness? Uh, (laughs) Which, it's weird. Is it the the away form, the actual true Everton? Or are we we getting, is it the fact that, you know what I mean? I'm so depressed to think like that, but I'm kind of like, think about how great our atmosphere is at Goodison right now. It's great. Sirens there. The the supporters are loud. We've got banners flying. It's pretty, it's it's a pretty awesome thing at Goodison they have going right now. All right. Um, is that mojo helping to fuel us at home and kind of really helping feed us? Because it, it's strange because we have great away support. Every single time. That's one of the things people know the club by is fantastic away support, right? So I would think a little bit of that would transfer over, but I don't know. So it, it's obviously a mentality thing, right, Terry? And if so, I mean, how how in the hell is this going to get remedied if it's a mentality thing? You know what I mean? I mean, it's definitely a mentality thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think – I mean, obviously the support will play a little part, but let's – you touched on it there. The away support's fantastic. It's not that – you know, the away support's poor and the home support's great. Sometimes you could even say the opposite. In the past, Goodison's been quite daunting for the Everton players to play in. Mm-hmm. I think, you know what I think it is? We It's the same thing that has affected Arsenal for years, and it's affected us for years now, is that we've got good players, good, skillful, quality footballers. So when we're at home, it's all about how good we are, you know, sort of how good's the team. Whereas away from home, it's not about really as much of how good you are, it's how strong you are. And when they're at Goodison, they're not afforded the luxury of putting their head down when they concede because the crowd, being the Everton home crowd, don't allow that. You know, they, they get on the players straight away, and you know that you know they'll that sort of raw kicks in. Go, you know, and it, the players can't sort of. Deflate like they do away from home because you just can't. You're in front of Goodison, so they get back into the game, or they'll try and get back, or they'll push, you know, through the barrier of a bad spell in the game. Whereas away from home, they don't do that. If you if you look at the second goal we conceded against Bournemouth, we've been on top for a long time. Our quality of player was showing against Bournemouth. We were having much better of the game against them. Obviously. We conceded with a you know a poor set piece, but on the strength of the game, we were the better team. But as soon as another goal goes in again and another set piece, it's like the air came out of the team, and obviously they concede another straight away and nullifies um, Silver's substitution, whatever he was trying to do to change. You know, can, it doesn't matter then. You're two goals down rather than one. You the game's getting away from you. But at Goodison, if we go two one down, you can't just suddenly let you all your heads go down. Because you haven't got that luxury, whereas away from home they always do it. They let the opposition crowd get to them. We've seen it. We've seen it happen to individual players. You know, Pickford at Newcastle's, a, you know, an obvious one. Um, the crowd beat us uh, away at Villa this year. You know, the the way they were all up for it and great home atmosphere. We couldn't weather that, and we just need to force it out of ourselves. It's affected so many other managers before Silver. Everyone's like, you know, to cry in Silver. But they, honestly, 
six years before this, we've been you know been poor. 2014-15, five away wins. 2015-16, six away wins. It's the same four year, four the year after that, three the year after that, and then last year five. It, it's just it, mini. We've turned into a mini Arsenal. Arsenal when they're at the Emirates, we're, and the same as now Everton at Goodison. I fancy us against practically any team, even the top two. Obviously, we don't want to beat City, so we'll never know how we're gonna. <laughs> we don't know how we stack up against them. But even in the last two years, the home games against Liverpool, there have been two draws. Obviously, there's more to it, you know, time time into the fixtures and whatnot. But considering they're one of the better teams in the league, we've we've you know we've done well against them. I fancy Everton at home against anyone, but away from home, when it comes to you know strength of character, I just I'd be happy with a draw before kick off, no matter who it's against. Relegation, you know, fodder, um, teams out of form. That doesn't seem to affect teams when they play us if they're out of form. In fact, we're the team they want to play. Because they, if you're out of form or your striker needs a goal or whatever, play Everton because we always seem to crumble under pressure. The the only way it will, I think, be fixed is just with you know the players gonna have to sort it out themselves. We've we've got you, you know you name the squad from six years ago. I've just gone back through the wins uh, each season. Then you'll probably see about three players who, who are still in the still in the club, and only one will be starting from six years ago, and that'll be Coleman. There's players in the squad who aren't, you know, who, who are winners or, or have the makings of winners. Luca Dean, Yeri Mina seems to, you know, be up for a fight. Um, you know, Fabian Delphi, he, he started strongly in the game, and you know, he obviously had a bit of a wobbler when he let the, you know, he was at fault for one of the goals. It's just going to be after something that we sort out, the players sort out amongst themselves, because it can't go on. It's, it's, it's. It's gone through several managers and several sets of players, and it, it just seems to be ingrained in the in in the club at this point. But it can't stay like that if we ever want to achieve anything. Elliot, you want to uh, contribute <laughs> on that? Because uh, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean I agree with a lot of that. I think um, you know it's it's tough to harp on about mentality and. <clears throat> excuse me and mentality being the only issue but um it's such a big part of it and uh i do feel that you know sometimes everton go away and and they're they're frightened as such they're they don't feel comfortable they're on edge they're already having to compete they're, they're, they've already got a negative handicap um from the very beginning and it's just it's not something that long term is going to serve us well and and you're right in in that in the past, you know, in the last five years, there was a period where we were horrendous at home, and every single time, I mean, I mean, I remember Ross Barkley getting so much grief from the fan base that he was really struggling personally to, to cope with the pressure because Gunnison became so toxic. And now that it's night and day compared to what it is now, and it, it's it, it's it's like a pendulum. We seem to be able to fix one problem, and then the next one arises. And if we can fix that one, then this this goes wrong. And I don't know how we really get around that, how we how we amend that. Um, you know, you can always look at uh, more quality players. The better players we have, the more likely we're going to beat whoever we're playing. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Marcus Silva. I can't see any reason why you'd question him as a manager, not this early into his career. I don't think uh, he's made that many missteps, um, a couple of tactical errors, but nothing major. So... I think it's really difficult to try and figure out exactly how you remedy the problem we have. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think, Jerry, because I, I, I personally, if I was in charge, I don't know how I would find a fix for this problem. I don't think there's a quick fix, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the idea of a quick fix is, you know, uh, it'd be great to be like, oh, no, just flip our formation and we're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think this is this is one thing we as a club, we get a lot of bad breaks, don't we? We get a lot of bad breaks on the road, all right? However, if we continue to improve as a club, continue to play better football, continue to play to make fewer mistakes, continue to be clinical when we have those chances in front of goal. Sigurdsson gets that chance second half. It's, it's you know, four yards to the left or right. It's probably in. You know, instead, it's pretty much right at the keeper. Moments like that. And, and granted, that was a tough one, but still, 
We had some chances. We didn't put them in. All right? If we continue to get better, we are going to get more of these breaks. You know, we're just going to. And it's going to take old-fashioned bullying through the circumstances to change the culture, to change the mentality. I don't see any other way. You know what? I mean, it's, it's just a matter of our team continuing to, and you're right, guys, they're going to have to come together and be like, and make some decisions. But no, I don't think any amount of team meetings is going to change mentality in one night, but it may get them through one game. You know, there's something about having that inner confidence when you walk in a room knowing, I've done this before. That is a different level when you walk in and you're, you're almost made, a, made out of Kevlar. You know what I mean? You're floating on a cloud. You, <laughs> you literally float in and you know, you know you've done it before. You know, And I th- it's just going to take us doing it, becoming a better football team. I can't think of any other way. Because we're not, we're not brilliant yet. We're not very deep. We're not. You know, One player gets hurt, that can put a huge dent in our game plan. Every single time. You know, tactics can have to be changed. Andre Gomez is out. <laughs> you know, that for it to deflate, for things to, it, it would have been tough. We still had chances. That's the crazy thing. We still had chances. Didn't finish them. You know, and, the, and the, it, frankly, if we don't make those silly mistakes, we win 1-0. You know, that's the, that's the crazy thing. We don't do those silly little, but we did. You know, and we're going to keep doing them unless we become a better football team. There's really no other way around it. You know, I got I got nothing. I definitely don't know the miracle cure. Um, if I did, believe me, I'd have, I'd have been uh, sending the answer to old Marcel saying, hey, here it is. <laughs> but it's tough. It's tough. You're, I mean, we're talking about mentality. We're talking about a gloom, literally a gloom that hangs over the team in moments like that. You know, we just got to get through it. Start, uh, start. It starts with the small ones. Don't we go away to Sheffield Wednesday soon? Yeah. Next next week, we go away to Sheffield United at the weekend, I think, mm-hmm. and then away to Sheffield Wednesday in the two, week. Two so. great opportunities to build up some momentum away. You know, I would see it as an opportunity, not as a, damn, we got to do this again. No, <laughs> you know, let's get it. Let's get on a roll. You know, that's but. I'm Mr. Positive. I'm the, I'm the, you know, I haven't suffered through an entire lifetime of this. But at the same time, I, I, yeah, I think it's an opportunity. I would love to just sit there and and take down both Sheffield teams. You know, it could be, it could be a big, a big starter for us. Go a little ways toward, but the mentality is not going to be shifted in two games. Even if we win them. It's still, yeah, so. Anyway, anything else on this, guys? This is a tough one because because there are no right or wrong answers, are there? You know, it's just hey, this is what we guess. You're right, and there's no there's no immediate fix or no mm. evident recipe that's going to just make everything go away. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a long game. Yeah. So fingers crossed. I mean, it'd be interesting in a week's time. I mean, t- uh, touch wood. I don't want this to happen, but in a week's time, if you lose to Wednesday and you lose to Sheffield United, then you address the question again. It's a whole different ball game, but, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. You have a good week. Definitely. All right. So, guys, we feel like we've given this ample attention at the moment. Mm-hmm. Let's hope uh, we get to do this same segment in a different way <laughs> coming up <laughs> in the future. <laughs> like, how are we so great away from home? <laughs> That'd be nice. We can't stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it for our former away from home second segment. And Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Elliot in a cage match of toffees, wit, and might. So, guys, it's a penalty shootout quiz. I will be naming a category, and you guys have to kind of you know, go back and forth and try to try to name the players that are necessary. I don't really know any other way to dress this up. God, that was the worst explanation I've ever given on this segment. I'm just like, yeah, figure it out. Ew. You know, it's <laughs> good luck to you. Yeah, I, I, I channel my, my southern side whenever I'm being ridiculous. Um, so 
Uh, we are going to let uh, Elliot call it. We're going to flip this fake real coin. There he is. Looks like Martin Sheen. It's not. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to flip this. Uh, Elliot, heads or tails, sir? Tails, please. Shit. I'm going to do it again. All right. <laughs> It's plastic. It doesn't flip well. <laughs> it is tails. So, Elliot, would you like to go first or second? I'm going to go second, please, Jerry. Second. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, go ahead and cue the intense quiz music. There you go. Well done. Well done. That's very intense quiz music we're imagining right now. And you're hearing the real thing, people out there. So... Here's the category, gentlemen. Name an Everton player who scored in the 2008-2009 season. So, obviously there are lots of these. You will go back and forth, seeing what's going on. I actually don't think this is a pin shootout quiz. I think this is more just like a regular old... like category quiz and we just go back and forth till somebody misses alright so there it is we've got the intense music still going Elliot can you give me a player who scored in the 2008-2009 Everton player Terry's up first isn't he oh Terry is up first we flipped the coin for no reason I just ignored (laughs) ignore the coin you know flip result yeah Terry hi Terry go first can you name me a player that scored 2008-2009 season? Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill. That is, that's a hit. Tim Cahill scored nine goals that season. Elliot. I feel this is definitely where I'm going to be found out to be a fraud. Um, I'm going I'm to go Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta. That is a hit, sir. Six goals that season. Mikel Arteta. Terry. Louis Saha. Louis Saha. Yes, that's a hit. You got eight goals that season. Elliot? Steven Pienaar. Steven Pienaar. Two goals that season. Good job, guys. You're rolling. Well done. Terry, it is your turn again. Julian Lescott. Julian Lescott. Five goals. Julian Lescott. All right. Elliot? Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines. One goal that season. That's a close one. Terold, what do you have? Leon Osmond. Leon Osmond. Seven goals for Leon Osmond that season. Elliot? Ah, so here's where we start getting mixed up between years. Um, Yakubu. Yakubu, five goals for for Yakubu that season. Terry. Response. Phil Neville. Phil Neville. He's not on the list. So, Elliot, you've got to get this right. You've got to have a hit. Oh, no. And so... <laughs> You will be. You will be the winner. You already. Ah. <laughs> oh. Um. So that's an eight nine. Ah, oh, this is really tough. I'm going to go with Phil Jagielka. Phil Jagielka. Scored one goal that season. (laughs) Oh, Elliot, you you like your uh, your one goal scorers? There, I was scraping the bottom there, wasn't I? Uh, Good showing, guys. Uh, The rest of the answers, I'll rattle them off. Uh, Marwan Fellaini had had nine goals that season. Almost said eleven. What the hell? No one had eleven. So Fellaini had nine goals that season. Um, Joe had five that season. Dan Gosling had three. Uh, 
Joseph Yobo had one. Jack Rodwell had one. Victor Anichibi. Anichibi had one. And Segundo Castillo had one. <laughs> All right. And that's the full list. So, uh, so Terry, I apologize. This was it's a yet another thing you can blame Phil Neville for. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, uh, congratulations, Elliot. Elliot, your, your prize, if you choose to accept it, is to pick a tune to play out the show to, to which we will play out the show. There we go. Pick a tune. Oh, that, that is a tough one. That I mean, it might be a bit on the nose, but Zed cars would always be, would always be good to play out. Wow. That would be the first time we've done would that. It? Yes, it would. Oh. Zed cars. Now, well, are you talking about with or without siren? I reckon without. I reckon you want to save the sirens for the day. Look at that. He's a purist. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, and by the way, in order to keep this legal, we have to have a little Zed cars banter. Otherwise, you know. Nonsense ensues. So, uh, just to talk a little bit about Zed Cars. Do you guys know anything about the origin of that besides the fact it's the theme? No, I've got got no idea about the origin of it. It was a TV show. It was the intro for a TV show. A police show set on Merseyside, wasn't it? I I don't know why Watford have got it for that reason. Like, you know, the the connection with Everton is pretty obvious, but Watford have... um, had it then they were going to bin it for um, uh, Elton John song and, but I watched uh, Watford v Arsenal yesterday and they're back to using Z cars so yeah they are really really want to think about us and be reminded of us so they, uh, they can't let go of Z cars because it makes them feel like they're close to us and they've never been <laughs> There goes Terry, romanticizing the the Watford supporters again, making them love him even more. It's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Uh, Yeah, I I had heard that they were going to be getting rid of their Elton John sing-along that they were going to do at the beginning. I'm guessing it was a train wreck. That just, that, uh, I just feel like you probably have a bunch of supporters like, oh no, I'm not doing that. You know? I I think when you get used to it for so long, you probably think, like, where Zedcos has gone it's just bizarre isn't it if you can become accustomed to listening to that at the beginning of the game you must just think hold on what's going on it's always an interesting thing when I'm sitting beside someone who's never watched Everton play before and they hear what we're playing and I actually had a friend of mine go what is with the magical flutes (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like oh come on man it's tradition it's tradition man it's a traditional club you know it's not like we're you know playing phantom menace or anything or fat boy slim or who who is it someone plays star wars music is it spurs spurs play phantom yeah it's one of the reasons why my buddy uh my buddy pies is a big spurs supporter he's a huge star wars fan and he he was like oh that just solves it yeah playing phantom menace man gotta pick them and i'm just yeah so and and i'm just like i'm not gonna base it on the song they play beforehand but yeah uh yeah we we have uh zed cars on my kids they have a mix they listen to before they play soccer games and yeah zed cars played before bennett's junior academy game on on saturday like on our drive out to the out to the uh, fields and put him in a great mood it was awesome with or without the siren? Oh no, there's no. I couldn't find the siren for the, on Spotify. You know, I also couldn't find Grand Old Team, the Everton, like the Everton one. I only found found one for Celtic, and I was not going to use that one. Yeah, for some reason I could not find it on Spotify. If you guys find it, tell me because I want that. Just saying, I, I've searched for it for like embarrassingly like an hour. So if you find it in like five seconds, I'm gonna cry. Yep. <laughs> Um, Spirit of the Blues plays at Goodison. Um, it's not like as well known as Grand Old Team mm-hmm. or Zed Cars, obviously. Uh, Spirit of the Blues is another Everton song. It's really good. I'll I'll send you if you've not heard it because that that's my favourite. So I'm going to confess something now. The the song Grand Old Team is not my favourite. I don't really Aww. like it. Uh, to be honest, though, what do I know? I I was dead against the siren and what how wrong I was. 
because it's brilliant. But I, I, on paper, when I heard about it, I was like, that'll be stupid, don't do that. I, never listen to me about anything ever. That's <laughs> yeah. That's okay, Terry. Everybody's wrong at least once. Mm. Not your one. It's okay. All right? Yeah. So... <laughs> All right, so as we're as we're closing out to the uh, you know magical flutes, <laughs> it's time to it's time to end another another Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, if you're if you've been listening to us, but you know, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast because it like it doesn't hurt you at all. It it can only help you. It can only make your life better. It can only enrich you. Uh, so, and also, if you're like, you know what? I'm really curious. You know, I, I hear Elliot's voice. I want to know what he looks like. Look at the YouTube channel. All right? All right? Because you're missing out. Missing. <laughs> I don't know if I got that. I don't know if I got that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it is my job to make you guys amazing. All right? So, <laughs> yes. All right? Yeah, you're missing out. So, yeah, check out the YouTube channel bask in their glory <laughs> yes i just like saying that phrase i'm sorry I, I i also like watching them squirm when i say that stuff it's pretty wonderful <laughs> terry's gotten to the point where he's so used to it he just sits there and be like stop it jerry <laughs> yeah see pshaw is what he says pshaw <laughs> all right so uh anyway uh so check out the youtube channel if you like that would be awesome um if you want more uh more elliot read everton uh, yeah, he's the editor-in-chief there, runs a lot of the content there. You should check that out. Check his Twitter profile. You know, follow him on Twitter. He's putting out a lot of uh, football-based information, but also uh, film and TV stuff. All right? So, a lot of variety. Yes, yes. He likes Mindhunter. Check that Come out. Come and join me. Um, Tweet me. Uh, also, if you want more Terry, um, Besides just walking the streets and whistling a tune, he'll find you. Uh, you should also check out Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. He, uh, he puts his words on there every so often. Check out his Twitter. He'll tell you when that's going to happen. Um, he's the huggable man. Make it happen. All right? So, uh, lastly, but not leastly, I made that up. Uh, check- Holy hell. Terry, what, what on earth is going on over there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll can I briefly tell you what it was? It was a money clip that I've got with my name on it that my wife got me for my birthday. God bless the confidence of my wife thinking I will ever need a money clip because I never have. <laughs> but I was playing with it and dropped it and it sounded like the world was ending. You're like, I've got this money clip but I'm trying to figure out how to put the coins in there. It's just not yes. working. <laughs> right on. All right. So anyway, check out the Toffee Blues website. There's all things Everton on there. Um, there's a lot of good stuff from our, our contributors that come on here and talk. So check that out as well. Uh, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, and Instagram, and Facebook. And if you feel like following Jerry on Twitter, eh, that's up to you. All right. I guess that's it, guys. Uh, Terry, thanks so much. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you guys too. See you Elliot, soon. nice to meet you. Thanks again for all the for all the the information, the the, the good talks, and the the, the patience. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. All right, thanks again, everybody. Uh, we'll see you later. Let's uh, let's try to think happy thoughts after what happened Sunday. Much love to everybody. Bye.